0: If you look up there on the screen, you're going to see two pictures. One's of a Mike Ruzioni on the right. The other one's the U.S. Olympic team from 1980, Miracle on Ice team. Anyone familiar with that story? You know, I lived in Canada at the time, so I was oblivious to it. But um, they came out with a movie a couple years ago called Miracle with Kurt Russell and some other guys, and it's about the... Team, the Miracle on Ice team from 1980 Olympics from Lake Placid. The ups, up-and-coming college kids from the United States, 18-, 19-year-old, 20-year-old kids against the big, bad Russian army who've been playing together for umpteen years and just destroying everybody. I think they were like 50-0 or something when they went into that into the Olympics. So what's my point? Well, there's a, in, the, in the movie, there's a great scene in the movie where they're, kind of got their team whittled down a little bit, and they're, and they're practicing against each other. And what you maybe, may or may not understand is that all these kids on the Olympic team were from colleges from all around the country. So there's kids from Boston University, Boston College, University of Minnesota, Wisconsin Badgers, North Dakota Fighting Sioux, kids from everywhere. And they all had their little identity pegged out. And they were there trying to get their little piece of the pie. Well, the year before the Olympics, uh, Minnesota and BU played in the national championship game. And one of the guys on the, on the, on the gopher team did something to one of the guys on the, on the Boston University team. And the guy retaliated and hit, hit the gopher guy back, the Minnesota guy. And he got kicked out of the, the, of the championship game. So these two guys are, playing, are on the same team now, but they're actually playing against each other in this little scrimmage. So the one guy decks the other guy. They end up in this big fight, and they just, if you've ever been to a hockey game or seen a hockey game, they, they just start duking it out, right? Uh, it's legal there. <laughs> and for some of you may not know me, I, I've, I've coached, played hockey my whole life. I, coach, I still coach hockey today. But my, my point is this fight breaks up between Jack O'Callaghan I think it's Rob McClanahan. And they fight. And they get done and, and Coach Brooks, Herb Brooks, who's played by Kurt Russell, says, all right, we, we need to introduce each other. We need to start becoming a team. So he, he talks to him and he says, who are you? He says, my name is Jack O'Callaghan. Who do you play for? Boston University, and he says to McClanahan, who do you play for? He says, well, I, I play for you, Herb, at the U. He goes, I play for the University of Minnesota. And so right there answers Coach Brooks' question. They, their identity is all wrong. They're about themselves, and they're about identifying with just their little team that they, they've been playing for. So later in the movie, they're playing an exhibition game in Norway, and they tie, what does not matter, 1-1 or 3-3, I can't remember. Anyway, Norway's not very good at hockey. If, you're, if you have some Norwegian background, I'm sorry, stick to the Alpine scheme because the Norwegians are not good at hockey. They're not going to win anything. And I, I got some Norwegian in my background, so I can make fun of the Norwegians. So after the game, Coach Brooks, instead of letting them off the ice, he's mad at them. He gets them on the goal line. The goal line is down by the end boards, and he starts skating them up and down the rink. Now, maybe you've ever played basketball or football, and the coach makes you run, right? Touch the line, come back. Well, on the hockey rink, you're doing it with your skates on, and you're just going up and down. And so they're just going and going. And the rink manager comes over, and he says, I got to go home. And he's like, leave me the keys. I'll turn the lights on. And they just go. And they're, they're dropping like flies. They're ready. Looks like they're going to die. And the assistant coach, Craig Patrick's like, Herb, you got to stop. He just ignores them. The, the team trainer's like, Herb, you got to stop. You're going to hurt these guys. And finally, he's just about, he says, get on the line. We're going to go again. And this gentleman right here, Mike Arruzzione, who 99 out of 100 people said he never would have made the team except for one guy, Coach Brooks, who kept him, says, he screams out, Mike Rusioni. And Coach Brooks right away says, who do you play for? And he says, I play for the United States of America. And, and Coach Brooks says, that's it. Hit the showers. And it was all over. So what's my point? So if you missed the point here, there was this identity change. Early we see the response of I and me from these guys. And they were talking about who they thought they were and who they, which team they were on, who they played for. And so later in the midst of a time when the, I guarantee you, I've been there before being skated like that, they just wanted to quit hockey. It was not fun for them. They made this proper determination from one man about their true identity. See, they had always been on Team USA. That's what they, they were practicing for. But they never identified it. They still identified with the... With the gophers and, and the badgers and things like that. So they just needed to realize who they were and what team they were a part of. And once they realized that, they were set free. And so if you're new to our church, you're gonna hear some hockey analogies all the time because that's that's near to me. And I can I can somehow find a scripture in there that relates to hockey. Right? Sometimes when I coach hockey I was like we need to just go Old Testament here, boys. Let's get after it, you know? That's like destruction, right? But my point is you need to have a confession and you need to believe that confession. And this gentleman here, he believed that he was part of Team USA and he confessed it out and it changed the whole situation. It says in 1 John 1, 1.9 that to confess your sins and he's just and faithful to forgive our sins from our, of unrighteousness. That's a true statement. That is a great scripture. But a lot of times we might get focused on confessing sin all the time or our problems or our issues when there, the Bible has much more to say about the confession of who you are and what you stand for in the word. There's a ton of scriptures, there's a ton of realities in the Bible that when you confess, you're confessing your righteousness in Christ Jesus. So you need to confess who you really are, what you possess, and what we are promised. That's a good confession to me. Confess that. When you confess that, hey, I'm the righteousness of Christ Jesus... Because you are been made that way, when you become in a relationship with God through Christ, that's a true statement. You're not just making something up. That is a true statement. Romans 10 and 9 says, confess with your mouth what Jesus is Lord, and you will be saved. That's what it says. And believe in your heart that Christ is raised from the dead. So you're confessing a good thing. So oh, yes, we should maybe talk to one another and say, you know what? I made some mistakes. I'd like to talk to you about what I've done wrong. Those are good. But we don't need to confess over and over again to God all our mistakes when we can say to God, you live on the inside of me and I'm going to confess right now that I am the righteousness of God. And when we do that, it starts working on you from the inside out. What The theme for today is going to be the inside and out a little bit. It's going to be about losing your mind. That was going to be the title of my thing on there, but I changed it. it was gonna, my, my title was going to be, Are You Out of Your Mind? Because you know what? To be a Christian, you have to live... Out of your mind. Everyone thinks that when you lose your mind, it's a bad thing. As a Christian, when you lose your mind, it's a good thing because you're living out of the Spirit. And that's what I'm going to encourage you today. The Apostle Paul says this in, in 2 Corinthians 5 17. He says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature or new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's a foundational scripture, I believe, for the New Testament believer. Old things have passed away. That means your old sin nature, your old spirit is no longer there. It's been replaced by your new Jesus nature, your new spirit. And when you do that, when you believe that, you now join what I like to call the team kingdom of heaven. That's who you're on. That's who you play for. That's a winning team. So you need to have the Holy Spirit to understand and utilize these passages of scripture. And you see the Old Testament... When we preach on the Old Testament, it sets the stage, it sets up Jesus, it brings them to the forefront. It's all pointing us to Jesus, foreshadowing. And when we preach the Gospels and the parables and those things, it's showing us Jesus right there. And Jesus is teaching. And he's teaching Jews, and he's teaching unbelievers, and he's, and he's showing them there's going to be a new way coming, and this is going to be the new way. And then Paul comes along in the New Testament there, and he just reminds us that, hey, there's been a change. Not only there's been a change because Jesus said there's been a change, it's been finished at the cross. He says there's been a change on the inside of you, the believer. You're not who you used to be. People might say this is who you used to be, this is who you are, and you gotta say, no, that's not me. I've been changed on the inside by Jesus Christ, and now I'm a new person. And that is a whole different mindset. It's not even a mindset, because you're out of your mind, you're in in the spirit. See, the epistles, to me, and I I love every bit of the Bible from front to back, but it's those epistles, it's, it's the Apostle Paul who's reminding Christians, he's reminding Christians of who they are and what they possess. And where's he writing from? Jail, in hardships. And he continued to write letters all the time. And he didn't write letters about anything except saying, hey, stick to the message. Stay the course. There is one Jesus, and there is one message. And he did everything until his dying day to get that message out. See, the New Testament shows us the Holy Spirit, tells us and reminds us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a couple things there. And then he allows the Holy Spirit, he allows God to live through us. So it's always pointing us, like here. He says to the, the people that were there when Jesus died, he says, I'm going away. And he sends them to heaven, right? And then he says, go into this upper room and wait for me. Well, they're wondering, well, is he going to come back in the physical? What's he do? He sends them The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit drops upon them. And this fills them with power. Dunamis power, like dynamite, right? Boom, they blow up. They're filled. And then, these guys that were scared and nervous, they didn't even recognize Jesus when he was walking on the road when he was resurrected. It's like, bam, they went out in that first day and 3,000 people came to know the Lord. 3,000 people. That's an amazing thing in one day. And what was it? Because they tried harder. They just tried really cross their fingers, this is the day we're going to get some people saved. No. They just allowed God to be downloaded into them and then God to be uploaded out of them. That's what they did. That's the greatness of the Holy Spirit. See, trying to live for God out of your own strength, and I tell this to myself all the time, will destroy me, will destroy you. It will. But living for God, from God, through the Holy Spirit, will anoint you. You're just not going to be even keeled. And just squeak through life. When you allow God to work through your life, he's going to anoint you. Anoint is good. When you're anointed, it's a good thing. You can do a zillion things when you're anointed. You can go to work. And be excited about going to work and, and share the, and share great things with God. You can parent. Or you can help someone get through a, a tough situation. Because God will anoint you to do it. He doesn't just anoint pastors or the Christy who's down there in the, the children's uh, room. It's not any extra special gift that we have that you don't have as a Christian. We all have the same gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm going to anoint you. I'm going to give you a ministry. See, Pastor Jeff spent many great Sundays telling us of the parables of Jesus. They were awesome. I'd like him just to unpack them all and just show them to us. It was great. And, but he started with one parable. He started with the parable of the four soils. You know, it talks about um, in there, the, the word of God is compared to the. I don't want to get it wrong here, but anyway, he says he starts with the first parable, and it's the parable of the four soils. If you look it up in your bio, in, in your Bible when you get home, and the reason why he starts there is because, and Jeff said this to us, and any a lot of commentaries that I read says if you don't understand the first parable, the other ones are going to make no sense to you. He says, get born again, read the parables, then the rest of them make sense to you. It's the same thing with Second Corinthians five seventeen that says you new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are brand new. To me, it's kind of along the same lines. You need to understand that because if you don't understand who you are and what you possess, then you're not going to be able to download and understand the things that God is teaching you because it's going to get stuck up here in your mind. It's going to get lost up there. It's not going to get down into your spirit. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 is the scripture that to me is a foundational scripture for us new covenant believers. And without... Knowing who you are in Christ, you're going to be trapped in your old self, you're going to be lost in your old self, and you're going to be just basically flatlined. You know, as I look back to that movie, the the guy by the name of uh, Jack O'Callaghan, he was Jack O'Callaghan from BU until he became OC, Team USA. There was a transition, and that's me. I was Mark Hicks from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Now I am Mark Hicks, anointed one. Filled with the spirit who lives in the kingdom of heaven. That's who I am. That's who you are. That's a reality. That's a gospel truth reality of who you are. And when I tell you what, when things go bad and maybe one or two days we wallow in the mud or have a self-pity party, somewhere along the line you gotta slap yourself and say, you know what? This is not me. I am the righteousness of Christ. I am filled with Jesus. I have God living on the inside of me. This is not me. And let's get going here. The Holy Spirit has invaded your spirit. He is perfect. You've been transformed. You've been redeemed. So we walk by faith and not by sight, it says in Second Corinthians 5 7. That is a huge one for me to understand, and maybe for you too. We see everything, right? Our eyes are awesome. They're a gift from God, but sometimes our eyes cause us the biggest problem because we see stuff. It's like, <sighs> cover our eyes. It's like when you have a little kid, you don't let them watch all these crazy movies and. Stuff because you want to cover their eyes. It's like us as 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 adults too. It's like you you got to cover your eyes and just and get down in the heart. See, the enemy lies. People lie. The Holy Spirit tells you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. He does. People say the Holy Spirit just convicted me and convicted me and pounded me until I changed. You know, you may believe that the Holy Spirit can convict, but I believe the Holy Spirit is convicting you of your righteousness with God. He's telling you who you are in Christ. It's the unbeliever that he's convicting and, and telling all the time, you need to get saved, you need to get born again. What you're doing isn't good for yourself. And when you get born again and you make some of the same mistakes you've been making, he's going to convince you of your righteousness. And he's going to say, you know what, Mark? You know what, Austin? You know what? This is who you are. You've got God living on the inside of you. And that is the message, I believe, to the believer that we get from, from the Holy Spirit. And the, and, the, and, the, and the spiritual world, a lot of people don't understand there's a spiritual world out there. It's more powerful, and it's more alive, it's more real than the physical world. Because what created the physical world? The spiritual world. God created it with his words. He took a spiritual world, and he spoke it into existence, and there it was, physically happened on the earth. You're here physically, I believe, because of a spiritual promise of God. He said, I've set out to to take a couple, and I want them to go forth, and I want them to multiply. That was a promise from God. So here we are down the line, his promises are coming true. So faith is simply seeing the, through the eyes of our heart into the spiritual word and basing our thoughts and action on spiritual realities. They're spiritual realities. That's what the Bible is. Inspired by God, written down by mad, there's, man, they're spiritual realities. And we take what the word of God says, we apply it to who we are in Christ. I'll tell you what, there's nothing we can't do. See, this is a good line here. Faith is not denying that the physical things exist. It's not running around with blinders on, right? We live in this world. We go out into this world. There's stuff that we see. But faith is not denying that the physical things exist. It's just denying that the physical world is all there is out there. Now, you've got a trump card in your pocket. Everybody else running around out there is like running around helter skelter crazy because that's all they understand is the physical things. Yes, no. The facts. But you got the trump card of the Holy Spirit. You can pull it out and say, no, 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 no. This is what my... Holy Spirit, this is what my God says about the situation. You can add that to your realm. That's an amazing thing. When you think about that, you have the Holy Spirit and you can pull him out all the time. He's in you. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. Because of our new spirit and life, we can dig in. That's what I like. You don't have to run. You don't have to hide. You don't have to quit. You don't have to give up. Just think right now, if you're this close to your breakthrough, if you've just been contending with God and you're just like in praying and you think, you know what, Father God? I'm going to stick with you. Your, your breakthrough is, is there. Today, tomorrow, maybe it was yesterday. Maybe you had a breakthrough yesterday. Because if you quit and you give up on the things of God, what are you left with? The junk pile? The stuff you're already left with? Maybe it's debt. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's lack of confidence. You can have those all day long, 24 hours a day without God. But with God, says you don't have to attach those to you anymore. You can let those go. He says, I'll help you let those go. If you keep renewing your mind and telling yourself who you are, that I'm the righteousness of God, those things got to go. You'll get to a tipping point in your life. Think about this, right? There's going to be a tipping point. Pretty soon it's just going to overwhelm the negative side of your life. And then when that happens, like like Jim preached about saturation, boom, it's just going to take off. There is a tipping point that's happening for some of you here today. Don't give up. Don't quit. Dig in, and God's going to meet you. He's gonna satisfy you and he's gonna blow your mind. He does it every single time if you let him. See, my word for someone today is just don't quit. I just wrote that down that there's someone here today that's ready to quit, ready to give up, don't. Don't do it. Today is not the day to quit. Today, today, today's the day to dig in. Because when the enemy or someone's telling you to pack it in, it's too hard, that's a lie from the pit of hell. The Spirit of God saying nothing is impossible with me. And I will change your situation, and I will help you get through. And when you think about it, that faith is only this: it's only responding to God's promises positively. The promises are there. You can read about them, you can pray about them, but we have to respond to them. It's like the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to beat you over the head until you become to know the Lord, to become into salvation. He's going to allow. Each and every one of us, the opportunity to choose freely, free will, to come to know the Lord. He'll urge you and say, you know what? This is what's happening in your life. Maybe you should come over here and hang out with me for a while, for the rest of your life. And you, as a human being, have to believe, receive, and accept on your own. We can't do it for our kids. I know some of you here today are just thinking about your kids right now, thinking, when are they ever going to get saved and come back to church? Let them go. You just got to say, you know what, Father God? I give them to you. You gave them to me. I'm giving them back to you, Father God. I know they've heard the message of Jesus Christ. It's been planted on the inside of them. Their spirit is full of Jesus. I'm giving them to you today. And I tell you what, weight off the shoulders. So we don't give up on them. When they call and say, I need help, that we just say, you know, talk to me later. We're there for them. But we can't change our kids, especially our adult children. can't change them spiritually. They've got to do it on their own, just like you have to do it on your own. I love Kenneth Hagin books from Rhema down in Oklahoma City, and I, I've studied a lot of his teaching, and he says this in his book called The New Birth. He says, the more you testify to what God has done for you, the more you talk about it, the more real he becomes to you. The less you talk about it, the less real. Duh, right? <laughs> talk about good stuff, Talk about bad stuff. He's saying the more you talk about what God has done in your life, not only is that going to resonate with you, yourself, it's going to resonate with other people. Sometimes you just have to remind yourself of all the great things God's done in your life just to get past that next hurdle in your life. Right? The hurdle is small when you allow God's tidal wave to push you over the top with all his promises. he just push you right over. He'll do that to you. He'll do that for you. 2 Corinthians 5.13 says this, if we are out of our minds, as some say, it is God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Isn't that amazing? Paul thought people, people thought Paul was crazy. Think about that. Here's a guy who's walking down the road, and almost everybody there was saying, here comes Paul. Some of these spirits say, here comes Paul. He's going to gather us together. We're going to go persecute, persecute and kill some Christians. They didn't realize that he just met Jesus the other day. And he walks down the road and says, hey, do you guys know this Jesus? I want you to tell you about him. And they're like, this dude is nuts. He's lost his mind. You know, maybe you as a Christian here today, someone's told you, you're nuts. You're crazy, that's good. If someone tells you you're crazy because you are believing the risen Lord, you're in a good place. We're the sane ones. Everyone else out there to me is nuts. We're the sane ones. It's the truth. And you have to believe that in your heart. So people thought he was crazy. They thought he was out of his mind. So what I was saying earlier is like, it's okay to lose your mind. Lose it. Because you live out of the spirit. Fame, fortune, and status were all dead works to the apostle Paul. It didn't matter to him anymore. All he wanted to do was preach Jesus. And he wanted to tell people, hey, you've got to do this to get saved. you got to do that to get saved. No, he didn't say that. He says, he says, just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead and you will be saved. And then... Watch your life change. That was his message. And he spent years, up until his death, like I said, preaching that same message. Get saved. Stick to the game plan. It's going to be good. See, many books have been written about the battlefield of the mind. I don't know if you know that. But many books have been written about the authority of the believer. Why is that? Because the battlefield is where the mind takes place, and I believe it's the authority of the believer that will trump that. What's the authority of the believer? That you have Christ living on inside of you. You have command over the things of the enemy. The authority of the believer is going to take out that battlefield in the mind. And that's where the battle takes place. It doesn't take in your, in your spirit. Spirit's perfect. It's in, your, in between your ears is where, where the enemy's going to come get you. So if we continue to look at our flesh, which is our, our outward stuff, if we continue to look at that as the only barometer for failure or greatness, you're going to see a lot more failure than greatness, we make mistakes. The barometer is in the spirit; it's perfect. And then, when you realize that that you're a new creation, then you can help your flesh line up with what your spirit says. Renew your mind to the Word of God. It says Romans 12:2, and you renew it. You renew it out of a born-again spirit. And then your flesh, your actions, everything is going to line up on the outside. See, we're no match for the devil. You're no match for sin. And you're no match for the flesh. But the devil and sin and the flesh are no match for the living Christ. Did you get that? On your own, you're going to get run over. But it says here that the devil and sin, the works of the flesh, are no match for the living Christ. No match. Nothing can beat it. That's what it's saying. All believers have died to sin through Christ's death, and he dwells on the inside of you. And God looks to the heart of the man. It says that in 1 Samuel 16, 7. He says, The Lord looks not at the things that people look at, because people look at our outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Don't judge yourself on your mistakes. Those mistakes have already been judged. So what I'm telling you today says: receive God's grace of who you are and change the outward expressions by allowing your inward perfection pour out of you. That's how you change your outward stuff. Allow God to pour out of you. And Paul knew that all Christians have the same potential as Christ in the Spirit. you got great potential. You know that? That's a great thing to hear when someone says you got good potential. I think we can use you here. you got potential. That's a great thing when someone tells you that. In your spirit, you have potential. You have potential to change your life and the lives of others. And the potential inside the believer, your potential is unlimited, it's inexhaustible, And it's unstoppable. It is. It's the only thing about you that is. Everything else is going to fade away and die someday. Your body, your flesh, your hair, for some of us, it's going to go bye-bye. Your spirit's perfect. It's alive right now. It's as alive as when Jesus was alive. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And it's the same spirit that you're going to have in eternity. It's awesome. It's a power plant. It's full of stuff for you. Packed. That's who is on the inside of you. So look past your outward, outward expressions, your outward life, and look into the inward potential of your spirit. The Living Bible says this in Second Corinthians 5, 17. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person on the inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. What that tells me today is if you've made some mistakes in your life, today's your day for a do-over. You ever play sports with your brothers or sisters when you're growing up and I, this is just my own story. My brother and I would play sports all the time together, the two of us. We're only a year apart. And when one of us would mess up, one of us would say, I want a do-over. There was no arguing about it. There was just an unwritten code between me and my brother. You got a do-over. It was a clean slate. The inning started over, or the, the period of the hockey game started or whatever. So here I'm telling you today is if, if you feel like your life has spiraled out of control or maybe you just haven't done everything with your life that God has given you, I'm saying, hey, today's a do-over. Start fresh today. Do-over. Take today and start brand new because you've got the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead in you and he's going to give you a do-over today and allow you to move forward. And if you have a new life, I say live that one. Stay out of the old one. If you've been given a new life, stay out of the old one. When I was a little kid, my grandma's house had a white picket fence and we'd play ball in my grandma's backyard and we'd have to climb over the fence to get her ball once time it got over And the picket fence, I'm going to be honest with you, was about that much higher than the length of my legs. So if you ever got hung up on a picket fence, it's not the greatest thing ever, is it? That's kind of what it's like when you're trying to live in the world and you're living in the kingdom of God. Just hung up on that picket fence, it's painful. Jump over and stay over in, in, in God's side of the yard. Just stay there. The grass is greener, all right? Quit jumping back and forth and getting hung up on that fence or getting stuck in the old world. It's the spirit world and, and it's the spirit man that is reality, not the flesh. You have God living on the inside of you. There's a hundred scriptures, over a hundred scriptures of scriptural references that talks about you, who you are in Christ. Sometimes they don't make sense. I'm in Christ. He's in me. All these things talk about uh, it, in the natural they don't make sense. Christ has died, he's risen, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's in me, I'm in Him. When you get that in the Spirit and you read what the Bible says, they start making sense to you. But what you really need to do is understand Second Corinthians 5:17. It says, "You are a new creation; old things have passed away. Behold, all things are brand new." And then you can start laying out who you are in Christ and seeing all the realities. I left a sheet out there on the on the table. I don't know if there's any left. It's on both. It's two-sided. It's this sheet right here that I put out there, and it talks about your identity. It's got that many scriptures that where I'm going through with the with the kids and youth group talks about your identity. I'm accepted, Ephesians 1:6. I'm loved, Ephesians 1:4. I'm forgiven, Ephesians 1:7. Then on the back side, I'm going to make some more. Next week talks about identity, the rights and privileges of a follower of Christ. Talks about your rights and your privileges. I printed it off and left it on the table. Take one on your way home. Read that over your life. Speak it into your children because it's truth. It's the gospel truth. That's what it is. John 3.3 says you must be born again and John 10.10 says it's the thief that comes to kill and steal and destroy. So when you're born again and then you realize who you are in Christ, when the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy, he's got no leg to grab onto. He's got nothing to tie himself to because you know who you are. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul preaches to us that the old person who lived for the enemy who was not born again, is now changed. You're a new person. And I know I've preached this before. I've talked about 2 Corinthians five seventeen. 96.4% of the times i preached, it comes up. Because it just has to. Because you have all sorts of people at church. People who don't know the Lord, people who have known the Lord forever, and some people who have known the Lord forever and just haven't figured it out yet. There's always been a few of us here like that. I being one of them early on in my walk with the Lord. I'm a Christian, but I don't know all there is to know about it. But once you realize that it's not you anymore, that you have a new spirit, then you can allow the word of God to do its work in you. Change the inside will lead to change on the outside. Right believing, that's who you are, leads to right thinking, and right thinking will lead to right behavior. That's the order it has got to come in. Your change is going to come from the inside out. I'm thankful that the people in the church were like that with me. I changed from the inside out. It took a little longer than normal. There was things I did that would show that I was back in doing things in my old life. But, you no, know, I got around the right people. I got around the word. I got into a church that spoke the word to me. And when I did that, then I understood, oh, that's not me anymore. Physically, it's still me. Spiritually, no longer me. And then when that attaches to your spirit, you can start moving and shaking, and getting things done. And that's all because of being around people that remind you of who you are. If people remind you of who you aren't, don't be around those people anymore. Get away, run, flee. It's amazing when God gets downloaded into you and you believe it. Simple line, it's amazing. When God gets downloaded inside of you and you believe it, the things that get uploaded and pour out of you are gonna be awesome. So I'm here to tell you today, you're none of those things that people have been telling your whole life. Not a bum, not a loser, nothing. You're the righteousness of Christ Jesus if you've allowed him to come with your heart. And that's the real you. So You possess all the things of God and the Spirit. You may not feel like you do. You know, I don't feel like going to work today. I don't feel very whatever today. Fill in the blank. But you know what, we don't go on our feelings as Christians. We go on the reality of what the Bible says. And this is what the Bible says. So when I don't feel like I've done all the right things that God thinks I'm supposed to be doing or my neighbor or, or my friend, it doesn't matter. It's what you have in the heart that says, you know what? This is who you are and you can overcome those things. As for the believer, the promises of God, as for the unbeliever, if you're not a believer in Christ, the promises are all for you too. The same promises for the believer or for the unbeliever. The only difference is you've got to access them as a believer and allow them to work in your life. Once you do that, then the whole thing is going to take off for you. John 3.16 says, For the God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Maybe today's the day that you become a whosoever. Be one of those people, a whosoever. Be on the side of the Lord. And this is the eternal life that they, they, they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It says that in John 17.3. Do you know them? Do you know them? Know them? Know them? Do you know them in your spirit? The word of God and New Testament promises will set you free. They will. The promises of the Bible are yes and amen. I've said this many times. And they'll come to pass. You'll get it in your spirit. When you get it in your spirit, it's going to pour forth from you. So receive and believe that fundamental truth that you've been made brand new in the spirit and it's perfect. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 says... You've been reconciled back to God. So here, let's put 17 and 18 together. You're a new creature in Christ, your new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are brand new, and you've been reconciled to God. What a package deal! It's package deal. That's who you're reconciled to, and whatever God's like in the Spirit, that's what you're like in the Spirit. That's what He says as He promises. So my advice to you today is, if you've been dragging around a trailer your whole life full of junk and misery and an old life, Simply unhook that and hook yourself to Jesus, and let him tow you around for a while. And when the, when the Son of God tows you around for a while, the Holy Spirit toys you around for a while, it's going to be a lot easier, and you're going to want to just keep going and going. So unhook that trailer that's been holding you down and holding you back and hooked to Christ and hooked to your new life. See, the way God was able to reconcile us to Himself is that He didn't impute our sins to us. He imputed them to Jesus. So he says, You know what? I'm going to put my sins on Jesus. I don't see your sins as far as east is from the west anymore. And so when God looks at you, he looks at you differently than any other person's ever looked at you. He sees you as perfect and whole, blameless. You may still have some residue of things in your life that are causing your problem, but you know what? God doesn't see you that way. And through your spirit, you're going to be able to get out of that because of him. Let me just finish with two things here. One is. I got a new Bible. It's called the Fire Bible. And I got it for all the kids in my youth group and Cassie's in my youth group, the high school and junior high. It's just a great Bible. And there's a note on 2 Corinthians 5.17 in that Bible. And I've put it in that white sheet that I handed out today. And I'm just going to read it to you. And then when I'm done with this, the worship team's going to come up minister to you and I'm going to play a video. And with that, it should be good to go for the rest of the week. Okay? This is what it says from 2 Corinthians 5.17, which talks about being an old creation into a new creation. It says... Those who accept God's forgiveness and by faith yield their lives to Jesus are born again and completely renewed from the inside out. Through the creative command of God, they are transformed spiritually. Through a personal relationship with Jesus, the believer becomes a new person renewed in God's image. It says with the ability to relate to him and take on his character traits. Let me stop there for a second. Do you believe that? Do you believe you can take on some of the same traits as Father God? You can't. That's what it's telling you here. They become Christians. A new, as new creations, Christians share his glory with the renewed knowledge of God and a transformed way of thinking and behaving that begins to reflect God's holiness. As a new creation belonging to God, a Christian takes on a totally new existence in which God's spirit rules. God's spirit's ruling. All this restores the believer to the purpose for which God originally created him or her. That's what the original plan of, for God was when he got Adam and Eve on earth have a right relationship with them. They blew it, of course, as we know, and Jesus came and restored us back to that. Take that sheet home and look at it. When you read 2 Corinthians 5, 17, look at all those promises in there that you have. They're all yes and, and amen for you. And that's amazing truth about you. You are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are brand new. And when you get that revelation, you're going to realize that God's changed your life. Amen? Watch this video and Jason will close us.